Welcome to the TribCast. This is comedian Aaron Foley, and I'll be performing at Cap City in Austin, Texas. And for some reason, I'm obsessed with politics, even though it drives me insane. And now, here's your host, Reeve Hamilton. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the TribCast for the final week of August. I'm joined by editor-in-chief and CEO Evan Smith. Hello. Executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And editor Emily Ramshaw. Hi there. Editor Spazzy McGee. I was expecting that. Come on. Well, she's my boss. I can't really go after her that way. It's true. Are you his boss? I thought I was your boss. That's awesome. You are (laughs) totally right. I apologize, Ms. McGee. (laughs) Well, our last... Editor McGee to you. Uh, Do you have anything to say about the McGee's, Ross? I'm staying out of this. No, thank you. I I couldn't tell what your pause was about. Ross is gazing lovingly at his Rick Perry... uh, Screensaver, uh, phone lock screen. He's ruggedly handsome, isn't he? This is the this is the mugshot. It's the it's the lock screen on my iPhone. He yeah, looks th- older without the glasses on. This is audio though, so no one can see it. Yeah, it's, well, that's why if, you just described it's it. As seen on the internet. Everyone go to Ross's phone and right. just ask him to look at the home screen. <laughs> uh, our last tribcast ended with something of a cliffhanger. Perry had just been indicted. <laughs> Big cliffhanger. <laughs> What's going to happen next? And now Years. we uh, we don't really know the answer yet, do we? No. But uh, what apparently, has apparently everybody else does though? Well, everybody's jumped into this this vacuum of information. You know, we don't know what the cases are. They haven't laid them out yet, and courts take time. So, in the meantime, all the political pundits, probably us included, you know, are jumping to conclusions and saying it means this, it means that. Does I this, haven't it jumped does that. to any. Conclusions. I actually think we've. We, I think we have been remarkably conclusion free here. Yeah, right? we gave we up jumping long ago. Because very, because yeah. we don't know whether the grand jury heard something worth indicting him over or not, and nobody knows I'm except interest, for the grand I'm jury. I'm interested to hear their story. I want to I want to see. Yeah, you know, me too. I'm, and we're going to get to a point where you look at it and you go, "No, nah, that was BS," or "No, or that's not. actually something." Or and not. So where we are right now is they they charged the governor, and the governor hired at last count seven lawyers. Or is that where we are? Oh my, I mean, the, it just he, keeps he, ticking up. He, yeah, he's he's um, essentially like one Joey Bishop and Peter Lawford away from Motions Eleven. He's got a, it's got a, I think the hourly he's passed are the rat pack and he's almost well. He's going to run through that four million like you know what through a goose in his campaign account, right? I mean, that's like what yogurt through, through a goose, <laughs> yogurt <laughs> through a goose, blueberry right? yogurt. Uh, but but you know you, you said the other day, kind of half cachet. jokingly, <laughs> half jokingly, you said the other day. Boy, I wonder how many lawyers he'd hire if he thought he was guilty. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, you and, know. and there's something to that. Honestly, he's well, not exactly projecting an image of confidence. Like, you know, what's the name of the? I'm looking at Todd, who won't actually speak out loud. But what's the name of the lawyer on The Simpsons, Lionel Hutz? It's not like you he may hired know me from other episodes. It's not like he hired Lionel Hutz. It's like he hired you know all Redwoods and no sap. Yeah, but how much of that is just to sort of put, uh, try to you know stick a knife in it and say you know? And a lot of them. It's a little bit of shooting a, a, a fly with an elephant gun if you believe mm-hmm. you're innocent. And, and some, some of these guys are not criminal lawyers. Some of these guys are constitutional lawyers. And sort of built for the case behind. So where we are in this thing is TV's the, Steve Schmidt. Right. Mm-hmm. By yeah, the time some of them right. get to it, the you know the thing will already be dead. Right. By the time they stick their knives in. Well, they hope so. Right. Yeah. They, and in fact, they right. filed a motion to make the whole thing go By away. By the time which the four million dollars in his may or may not political happen. account is gone, they'll be gone too. But for right now, they've challenged the under the laws underlying the indictments. They haven't challenged directly the facts of the indictments. They've challenged rather the constitutionality of the charges against Perry. They'll go through that. A court, the judge will decide whether 
that stands or goes. If, and that's sort of standard. That's to be expected. It's yeah, and like then the next step, if there is a next step, is either the judge knocks that down or they go to the next step, which is to challenge the facts of the thing. And at that point, we might hear something of the narrative behind the prosecution's case, some idea of why Mike McCrum brought this case, why the grand jury thought it should go to trial. But, you know. Mike, is the, it Mike McCrum? Mike? Michael. Oh. If you, if you don't know him that well. You sorry. sound chummy. M Mikey, squared. Mikey McCrum. <laughs> yeah. McGee. McGee. Mike McGee. The, uh, spe- speaking of his, his paying for his lawyers, though, did you see that? He got sort of some flack for that quote where he said the only reason his campaign is paying for it is because folks were grousing. By which he means Jay? Yeah. <laughs> Why would Doesn't seem like yeah. the best sort of I mean, I in keeping with his. No, clearly there was no outcry. I didn't hear any outcry from the public on this, but I think the media asked a lot of questions about who was supposed to be paying these bills. Right. Uh, so they've already paid eighty thousand. The public taxpayers have paid eighty thousand, and Perry does not seem to be giving any indication that he will return those funds. And that was mostly for, if I understand it right, that was mostly that for legal services. That eighty thousand is earmarked for Johnny Cochran, apparently. Well, right. That was right. mostly for legal services during the grand jury proceedings. And and the governor's office has maintained that this, you know, all has to do with him being governor, which is a public function, and it ought to be public funds. You know, if if had he kept. Um, drawing on that, you would have, and if this thing goes into say January or February, then you would have had this interesting moment when he was no longer governor, and then you'd have a conversation about public funds. I, you know, he had four million dollars in his account. He hired a passel of very expensive lawyers. I think the optics said, "Use your own money." If he's already spent eighty grand, think about how quick you could blow through a million, two million. I mean, depending on how long this drags on. Well, these these lawyers, I mean, we joke about how these are all, you know, kind of big-name lawyers, but the reality is they're probably not giving him a friends and family rate. He's probably paying full price or something close to it, in which case he's going to run through that money Fast. Maybe we could build were... a new app that looks like a taxi meter. Yeah, right. Just keep track <laughs> how much they've spent so far. Well, uh, you, we'll, we'll, I suspect we'll hear about a Rick Perry defense fund come up at some point. Don't well, you? and imagine if you were somebody who donated to this, you know, thinking that you were donating to some potential Perry presidential bid, and now you're watching all that money. <laughs> On the other hand, you kind of are yeah, donating that's to true. it. If you think about it, the vehicle for Rick Perry to run for president lives entirely within his legal defense. Is this not the state fund? Is this? I thought this was his state campaign fund. Maybe his 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 office holder account as governor that had you know something on the order of four million dollars in it. Isn't it all more or less the same at this point, though? I mean, if he's using his government pants, multiple. Yeah, pockets. he's been flying all over the country talking about the Texas miracle economy, which is more or less. Yeah, but it's not money that they gave to Perry for the presidential. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's let's stipulate that the reason that the Perry campaign attempted to get this thing kicked is because if you don't attempt to get it kicked then it looks like you don't think you're innocent and you don't think that the charges are BS. So the fact that they've attempted to get it kicked, I don't foreclose on the possibility that a judge will kick it, but it's just as likely that a judge won't kick it. And as you say, the benefit to this being tried in an actual court as opposed to the court of public opinion is that we really determine what happened here and you spike this thing once and for all, right? Right. Um, Nothing has happened except that in Iowa, apparently, according to public policy polling, it's boosted Rick his... Perry's approval rating has gone up by seven points since the indictments. You know, I, I just have I have a, a hard time with this because I, I see Republicans sort of rallying behind him, and I understand that maybe there's an initial spike. But do you think long term, if he's in it for a presidential bid, I mean, I just the, having the word indictment anywhere near you, I, I just don't think is going to play. Except you're running against Rosemary Lemberg. Yeah, but most of Who the people in the country that? don't 
have any idea who yeah, Robert I don't think, Lindbergh yeah, is. Yeah, but they, but they get it. They if, get partisan Democrats are after me. And when you're talking to a Republican primary electorate, there's nothing that the Republican <clears throat> primary likes more than bitch slapping uh, partisan Democrats who are after conservatives. But the people but, that are after him are not partisan Democrats. Doesn't matter. That's where the court of public opinion thing happens. His branding around this has been quite good. He and his allies have made it out to be this a little bit like we attacked Iraq because Iraq attacked us on 9-11. Doesn't matter that it's not true, right? In this case, the court of public opinion wins. They've convinced people out in the world that partisan Democrats were responsible for this indictment. We can argue about whether that's true or not. I think it's it's indisputable that the guy who indicted him is not a partisan Democrat. I still think when push comes to shove, the possibility that your candidate could go to jail is a reason where pe- that people don't vote for that. Well, person. and if this is if this Hasn't is still pending, Ken Paxton. If this is still pending, if this is still but pending, it, he hadn't been, he charged, hasn't been charged. Well, but no, but, but you doesn't know what, say you indictment know what the, in his uh, thing. But if, Branch was making that very argument. Is my point? It didn't hurt. Right. He hadn't been but there were no. But there was no indictment. I mean, right. an, an indictment takes it he to the next been. level. If you're to the point of deciding between candidate A and candidate B, which is in Iowa. Really, a process that the decision part of this is a year away. Yeah, or candidate or, or F more. or candidate mm-hmm. G. Or right. Can, then, yeah. then you know, it's like this one. You know, same ingredients on the can, except this one says indictment. I'll take the one that doesn't say indictment. Right. You know, it's, and the other candidates will sympathetically hose him with this and say, you know, I think it's a terrible thing that Governor Perry has been charged right. with abusing uh, with his office felonies. and this crazy indictment against Rick Perry. But I don't think we should send an indicted Republican up against whoever the Democrats are putting up. I, I think I'm that's a strong argument. It. I'm not buying it. I think it does not hurt him with other Republicans. I but don't. that's because you're so in touch with the Iowa mindset. And because I was so right about Perry's awesome campaign the last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, president clearly, Perry. Yeah, yeah. I am clearly your go-to guy on Rick Perry's <laughs> right. success at running for president. Everyone, it, Evan Smith's opinion. It's well, a, I think it's a huge problem. And it's a huge problem in the finance primary because you're going to people and the first question is no longer, so why do you think you can do it this time? It's now, so what's with this indictment stuff? And you got to get that. And then the question after that is, so what makes you think you can do it this time? You right. still got the original obstacle course to run. You know what? Again, they've done a great job of making this out to be a referendum on Rosemary Lindbergh. They've done a really good job of it. Whether or not it comports with the facts as it relates to Lindbergh's involvement in the actual indictment, they have done a great job of making Rosemary into the villain. And that's why she will never be president. I got to say, I kind of feel bad for Rosemary Lemberg and all this. I mean, you know, you cannot imagine as much as she might have been out for blood or out for revenge. You cannot imagine she would have wanted this to happen where her video of her embarrassing, horrific night, you know, gets broadcast. Not just now. It's not just in the Texas media. It's all over. Do you have any reason to think she was out for revenge or out for blood or that any of this has anything to do with any of that? From a self-preservationist standpoint, you would think that she would have just wanted this to stay quiet. Look, the fact is she made the choice not to resign. She had the ability right. to make this issue go away. She could have resigned. Right. You could have let the air out of the balloon. Right. And we found there. out one of the right. things we found out this week was that when Rick Perry was contemplating a replacement for Lemberg, should his imploring her to resign been successful, that one of the people he contacted was, according to the American Statesman and, and KVU, was um, Mindy, Mindy, Mindy Monfort, who had been the former assistant or associate District attorney had run against Lemberg unsuccessfully in a primary. Democrat. Democrat um, uh, daughter of John Monford, the former state senator, who was Perry's preference for the chancellor job at UT system, which did not happen. Back Segura in 2009. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Perry likes Monford, and Perry likes Monford's. With that, a Z. That is a, that the is hip a, Monfords. The so. hip Monfords, right. 
I mean, it is, you know, and there was there was speculation around this this week. But, you know, the the theory that Perry was out asking a Democrat to replace Rosemary Lemberg does take a little bit of air out of the, you know, this was a partisan effort to replace her with a Republican. It takes a little bit out of that narrative, but does that narrative is that of any consequence? So he was trying to replace her with yeah, someone that was close to you know, him. The 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 question is: Was he trying to replace an unsympathetic prosecutor with a sympathetic prosecutor? Right. And and I mean, this is all in the realm of the stuff and, that we don't know until, until, until whether appointee. she was a Democrat, right. Republican, yeah, or Wiccan. Appointee. If you're an appointee of the guy, you are right. by definition his guy. More of a sympathetic appointee. I mean, he's a not Perry a, D. It's not like he was going to appoint Glenn Maxey. You know, I mean, the point right. is he's talking about appointing somebody who he had to imagine was this, not going to run. Mm-hmm. This has turned into a parody. <laughs> <laughs> District attorney Glenn Maxey. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Go. Uh, well, the, I mean, the thing is that we're talking about this instead of talking about the gubernatorial and, campaigns. And that was Ross's point today is that, you know. In his smart column. Woe betide anybody running for office trying to get the attention of anybody in the press over the last two weeks because it's right. been I wall-to-wall Perry. I mean, I think it's it's good for Greg Abbott because the conversation's just quiet. And anytime the conversation is quiet, it's good for Greg Abbott, I think. Right. He's running Status a, quo. He's running a Rose Garden campaign. He mm-hmm. thinks if, if there's, you know, if there's not any real conflagration around the governor's race. Republican Texas voters will carry the Republicans into office, yeah. and that'll be that. And he's going to get—he's going to get to a point where he's going to need, you know, voters have to be voting on something for him to get to a legislature in January or February if he's going to be the governor mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, the voters wanted me to do X to education." You have to present that case, and the voters have to ratify it. He, you know, he could walk into the, or get into the governor's office without. A mandate. He Do can, you really you know, think that's the case? I don't. I th- I think that by by virtue of being governor, he gets to say that his mandate is whatever he wants to say. You can say that, but does the legislature look at that and say, you know, the voters really did back that idea, or can they say, well, he's just asserting, he's just asserting the office? Let's see. It just helps him make the argument. Yeah, in the legislature. If you run and, on and education Abbott, reform, for example, or you run on, you know, whatever it is, you run on, you know, we're going to cut down all the trees in Tarrant County. And the voters ratify that, then you can go to the legislature and they say, yeah, we're going to have to cut down those the, trees. The majority in both houses of the legislature, ideologically, is in sync with Abbott. True or false? True. Generally speaking, yes. Specifically speaking, when you're talking about legislation, maybe. Depends on the legislation. I would love to know a single issue on which Abbott and the legislature, the majority, will not be in, in sync next time. A single issue. Right. Well, some of that will depend on the issues that Abbott puts forward, which he hasn't had to do Right. On everything, yeah. No, I mean, his latest web ad yesterday was about Texas pride. I mean, talk about... Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, a, I'm not sure that the Senate is in line with that. They have, <laughs> yeah, they have, right. they have promised the or, or threatened, it. I guess, depending on your point of view, to uh, that there will be a series of white papers and, and issue stuff, policy stuff in sure, September. Sure, wait until the last minute, aren't they? Well, not necessarily. I mean, voters aren't really paying attention to this. We are, but we're nerds. Isn't, isn't really the Speak first real yourself. minute sort of after Labor Day? Aren't we still coming up on that? Well, you know, they started their ads. You know, both the campaigns started their ads. And for everybody else, sort of the traditional idea is Labor Day. But the gubernatorial campaigns this time, four years ago, four years before that, have all started in August, you know, right before kids were going back to school. And now, now we're there. Instead, they got Rick Perry in August. Right. Instead, it's the Rick and Rosemary show. And so have any of these ads had any consequence? I mean, so Davis had put out her second attack ad on Abbott recently, which was secret themed, which seems like you could try be, be trying to sort of dovetail off of the uh, public integrity unit stuff. Problem but with, it doesn't seem to have made a huge no, splash. No, and anything with a giant acronym, no, everybody's eyes just glaze over and they turn the page. I mean, secret to the general public, secret is meaningless. It's that great John Oliver line, if you want to do something evil, wrap it in something boring. 
That was about net neutrality. Right. Um, I, I, I keep coming back to the idea that every election is fundamentally about change versus more of the same. And the Davis campaign has not – they may still. I don't know. They may st- settle on that. You know, the Republicans are presumably going to run against Hillary Clinton in 2016 as Obama's third term. Why she has not – she, Davis, and her campaign have not done more to tie Abbott to Perry and to make Abbott Perry's fifth term um, – when Perry is not super popular, I mean, the interesting well, thing is that Perry the, the is popular. Well, no, 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 no. But I think the interesting thing is that Iowa, the, he's even the, more dy- popular than the dynamic over the last two weeks has actually changed this calculus. But I think before the indictment, if you asked me that I think Perry was super popular out in the world and that there wasn't some kind of – I think Perry's kind of winding down. But he's not – he's not a real negative. And, well, and I don't think he's a real negative, but I just think that from, from a motivating your base standpoint, which is all really she can hope to do – Right. I think running against Perry, she's not, he's not popular within her base, so why not run against Perry? They've Perry's both been, been remarkably quiet. Yeah, they have. And, and Perry's been like a one-man Texas Chamber of Commerce of late. I mean, you know, there hasn't really, as long as he's talking about the economy and Texas' job growth and everything like that, he doesn't look, I mean, you tie Greg Abbott to Perry, and what are you tying him to? You're tying him to all the policies that Wendy Davis has without running for governor, opposed over the last number of years in office, including all, all the abortion stuff, cuts to public education. I mean, look, one can disagree with the record that she wants to run against. You know, one can say, I don't think it's a good record, or one can say, I think it's a great record. But it's not like she doesn't have something that she could conceivably elect to use. You and I had a conversation yesterday about HB2. Right. Sorry. Evan is tapping Ross. I'm tapping He's Ross. pointing and, and, Ross the, and the, the degree to which... In, in Earth yeah. 2, in an alternate universe, what would the Davis campaign look like if it from very, very day one right. had run screaming toward HP2 and made that the the kind of clarion call of her campaign? Right. You have the, the one moment would when she be her doing people, worse? You know, when would her, her um, supporters jumped off their couches and went to the Capitol, the one moment that we've, you know, one of the few moments we've seen in, you know, since the Republicans got control of Texas government that they actually had when they actually sort of looked at this and went wow you know both sides looked at it and had a wow moment and then she ran from it and they ran toward it and you know they turned it into you know effectively for the moment a negative unless she can grab well I think those people were voters already to be fair to the Davis campaign they did have to spend six or seven months deciding who the campaign manager was going to be Right, only six, only six Look, or seven. No, I, the, 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 I, you're not wrong, Emily. Absolutely. But the, no, I'm rarely the, wrong. The question, <laughs> except for yogurt, but the question in reclining. But the question on this is, would the Davis campaign in Earth 2 be appreciably worse off in the polls today had they sent just sort of run on the filibuster? If they had had the filibuster in every ad, if they had just done that, would it be worse than it is now? I don't know. If the Perry thing does, you know, bounces before the election in a way that is really, really positive for the governor or really, really negative for the governor, it could actually have an effect on the on the governor's race. You know, Greg Abbott and Wendy Davis have done a pretty good job of staying the heck out of this thing and not taking a side in it. But if, you know, Abbott's seen as a continuation of a governor who's suddenly gone south, that could be bad for him. And if the governor gets a big victory here and as part of that continues this public campaign that the liberal Democrats were trying to get me, that'd be really bad Isn't for Isn't it likelier that this goes well for the governor quickly than poorly? 
I don't. You mean if it's going to go somewhere quickly? If it's going to go somewhere quickly, it's more likely to go somewhere in a positive way yeah, for the government. But it's not going to go anywhere quickly. I mean, this I have. A, we're going to be talking about this. So in, you think that that, that that doesn't get kicked? I doubt it gets kicked. I think there's enough there. I think the grand jury heard something that we don't know. And not saying that's necessarily going to make or break Perry, but right. I also think we're not going to get out of this in one fell swoop. My my curiosity is, is sort of the predominant thing here. It's, it's like I don't know which way it's going to go. I just want to know what they're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you want to get that in uh, more than just sort of drips here and there about the Monfort family? Well, yeah. Well, and also it probably has nothing to do whatsoever with the Monfort family. <laughs> I think they're the key to everything. Yeah. Right. Uh, has, uh, this week, Wendy Davis did – unveil some specific policy proposals since we were talking about the lack of those on the other side, specifically on higher education. I mean, does that actually, does that seem to help her at all? She was actually tapping into a theme that has been one of Perry's, which is we need to make college more affordable. And Van de Pute the previous week had announced a higher ed plan that was quite similar to that. Van de Pute, right. of course, is Letitia Van de Pute. running for a lieutenant governor Democrat. on the Democratic side. Although, uh, I mean, the Abbott campaign came back and hit her pretty quickly on the higher ed thing, I think, especially because she called for the creation of a career technical coordinating board to sort of align higher ed and the workforce, which sounds like an expansion of government. And it's not clear what that would do that the higher ed coordinating board doesn't think it already does. Right. And, they, you know, sort of the, you know, what's that going to cost? You know, when they come out with their list of ideas and you get, you know, to the to the it's it's interesting, the political differences between these two are relatively strong. And, you know, when you get to policy stuff, when Abbott puts some stuff out and, and Davis has some stuff out, you might actually get to a point, I don't have great high hopes of this, but you might actually come to a point where you can compare this public ed plan to that public ed plan and, you know, this higher ed plan to that higher ed plan. We're not there yet. You know, she's she's throwing out her ideas. Everybody in politics is trying to figure out the the problem with access and affordability to higher ed, and, you know, it's hard to do that without spending any money. Right. Well, I think that is a theme that we'll probably see both of them have, is we need to improve access, we need to improve affordability, but they'll probably go at it very different ways. Davis's strategy is we need to fully fund Texas grants, which is the state's main right. grant program for uh, sort of underserved, underprivileged. Financial aid? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Van, Van Pute was talking about a $2 billion withdrawal one time from the Rainy Day Fund to fund Use that subsidized as community right. college. Right. She wants free community college. She wants free community college. And, you know, the idea that you're going to get two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate to take $2 billion out for this no way. is, uh, you know. I'm, and Davis I, I also know. called for investing more in Tier 1 universities, which is something that the whole state was really behind in 2009 and sort of ended up on the back burner as sort of the conversation turned towards productivity and uh, business-like approaches to higher ed. But that was really a Republican-led effort to get the Tier 1 stuff. So it would be interesting to see if the state gets back to that. Speaker Strauss has said he wants to get back to talking about Tier 1 universities. And this is just raising the prestige of and research activities of some of our larger universities. This goes sort of toward the mandate question. You know, when you come into January with a new legislature and a new set of statewide officials, whoever they are, did they present the ideas to the voters in a way that gives them any sense of direction on where they're going to go, where you can look at the results on November fourth or fifth, whenever we get the final results, and say, okay, this means we're going to go in this direction on immigration or public ed or higher ed or whatever it is. Or it may just be an, it may just be one of those races where it's, you know, red flag, blue flag, no ideas. Well, from state politics, let's get a little more local, shall we? We unveiled our local debt tracker. Local this debt week. explorer. 
I like to track That's when I'm true. exploring. We unveiled a very cool new toy on our website that allows you basically to plug in your zip code and find out uh, how much debt uh, your community owes the city, the county, or the school district based on where you are. And I, the numbers, I mean, frankly, this is going to sound naive, but they're astonishingly high. I mean, I don't think I, I had, had, any idea. had any idea. And I think voters don't really have any idea. You know, you go into the ballot box and you see all these bond propositions and you agree to things, you know, without really having any clear picture of how much debt your community is already in. And that's debt that's supported by the taxpayer base. I think uh, Aman Bathija had a really great story today looking at how local debt has crept up in a huge way. I mean, cities, since 2004, local debt held by cities has grown something like 70% for school districts. It's up at like 93 or 94%. I mean, this is that's a huge spike. And largely, I think it's due to Texas's population growth and infrastructure um, uh, building in these communities. But Well, it's you know, betting are, on continued Betting on continued not accelerated growth. growth, and that's working out for some communities and not working out for others, right? Right. I mean, I think of the 10 biggest states in the country, Amon's story said Texas has the second highest uh, level of local debt, which is pretty huge. And this this is going to be an increasing theme, I think, in the next session, this idea that we're victims of our own success. The fast growth that we brag about and all this you know, additional activity in the state has consequences. It strains natural resources, physical and social infrastructure. And the if I read a mon story correctly, part of the and and where it fits within the series of stories that we've done on the flip side of the miracle this week, is that the local communities are having to take on debt to pay for basic services made necessary by this growth. Mm-hmm. States kicking the cost of this stuff down the road. Local communities are having to pay for it. They don't have the money, but those services still have to be provided. Right. In, right? I mean, in the last session, Susan Combs, the comptroller, you know, was really backing this sort of set of legislation, set of bills, you know, that would have required local municipalities when they put bonds on the on the ballot to basically say, and also, this is how much debt we currently have. You know, the big city mayors in Texas, hell, the small city mayors in Texas hate this kind of stuff because if they, they feel like if they have to put all of that language specifically in the ballot, that <laughs> that people aren't going to vote for it. Well, it does. It seems like you ought to know when you pull out your credit card what your balance is and how much whatever you're buying is going to increase your monthly payment. I mean, that seems right. like a fair thing, doesn't it? It's also a fun opportunity to revisit that $60 million stadium they built in Allen. Allen, right. The Which, one with all the cracks. The one, with all the cracks the one that had to be it? shut down. Yeah. Right. Uh, the you know. sound like mucus. Yeah, cracked, cracked, cracked field. <laughs> but I do think this is going to be the rallying. You know, you hear it a lot in the legislature, among especially among um, uh, Tea Party conservatives who are so concerned about about the level of debt. I mean, I really think this is a local issue too. I mean, what do you expect? How much traffic do you expect the Explorer to get? And do, no, do people none. really? <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody reads. No, but do people really? How close attention do people actually pay to their local debt issues? I don't think any, although, you There's know. too busy sort of fighting it de- about It the depends on what's on the ballot. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, presenting a case for or against a local bond issue, I might refer to this and, and might refer to it in a way where, you, you know, you say, look, we have this much debt. We can afford this much more. This is what we get for. I think it's a good idea. You know, there's a full disclosure argument even for the people that are promoting these things. And if you're against these things, you know, the, the easiest way to oppose a bond issue is to say, you know, hey um, – for those of you at 123 Main Street, your property tax bill is going to go up X dollars if this thing passes on Election Day. Here's where your polling place is. So you personalize it. Right. Yeah. 
But then well, in fact, that's kind of what we're doing. What I love about this is that you can type in your zip code mm-hmm. to this explorer, and up pops city, county, and independent school district dead in your community. So you have a, a right. sense of how this person, you know, personally affects you. I right. mean, there are towns in Texas, uh, according to Amon's story, where you know, like ninety percent of people's tax bills every year are going to pay just to pay down debt, and that's huge. Right. And we should give props to Tyler, who apparently is debt free. It sounds like it's those roses. Tyler, the creator. Who's <laughs> talking about? Yeah. Tyler, Tyler, Texas. A city in Texas. Oh, the yeah. city. You may have oh, heard I, of it. I, I thought you were talking about a dude. There's a county. There's a county named <laughs> no. after named after your named after yeah, your own right. family, Smith County. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, the creator. He 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 came to Austin and got arrested <laughs> last time, but at least he's debt free. Right now, we're in a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, anyone have anything else? I think we're done here. Oh boy, I think anyone we want to share their own <laughs> personal debt stories. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, we'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music, and uh, we would like to encourage you to send your questions and comments, or if you'd just like to kick it with Evan, you can email tribcast at texastribune.org. Tyler, the creator, and I would be happy to kick it with yeah. you. <laughs> we should say that Tyler, the creator, is a hip-hop artist, if uh, all of you over there in the <laughs> Texas capital are not familiar. <laughs> On behalf of Emily Ross, Evan, and our producer, Todd, this is Reed. Thanks for listening. People like the smell of meat.